0: Hello and welcome to my podcast Growing Forward Together. My name is Kenita Scripsma, and I am the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting and an international speaker and author. We are an organization that is passionate about promoting inclusion through group workshops, leadership development and transformational coaching for individuals who want to grow forward in healthy ways. For more information on what we do at SGC, please visit our website at www.semaglobalconsulting.com and drop me a note at the contact page. Who knows, our conversation might have you end up on our podcast for an interview. And while you are there, you will have the opportunity to subscribe to my blog as well. And I typically do them on a weekly basis, and so um, you'll be able to be updated and encouraged, empowered, and equipped, hopefully. All right. Well, for today, our topic, we've been playing around with the title a little bit because of the uniqueness of this story. So um, we decided to go with the topic titled Indian and Single, Still. Now, for those who don't understand that title, it simply means that it's based on the Indian culture and how in the Indian culture, we tend to um, be, there's a stigma that's attached to Uh, girls in general, that if they're not married by a certain age, then um, challenges ensue, and um, it's considered a stigma to not be married. You know, kind of like a a young girl's role is to eventually grow up, get married, have a family, and basically focus on her husband and her children. Now, that's not all bad, but in a culture where shaming is involved and um, put downs and criticism it can get really ugly. And so I was super thrilled to meet our guest for today because not only is she similar in my age, we have very similar backstories. Um, She is Indian. She's from there, from Mumbai specifically. But I was really enamored by our time together, our conversation. We made each other laugh and really enjoyed um, getting to know her. And I hope that you are able to get to know her as well. Please welcome my friend um, and colleague in the industry, if you will, Krupa Shinde Covert. She is a senior corporate relations officer at MAPS International. And for those of you who don't know what MAP stands for, it's the medical assistance program and it's an international company. She has worked with pharmaceutical companies in the US and um, in a variety of different countries. She grew up and was educated in India and, uh, for all for for the joke side, we are only a month apart in age <laughs> she 's older, right <laughs> um, She has extensive knowledge and experience with HIV and AIDS education for girls and women to over thirty slum communities in um, in India, specifically in Mumbai, and um, she also has her master 's degree that she received from the Mumbai university so all that said. Um, this topic is really close to her heart, it's part of her story, it's a very core part of her story. And I was really thrilled to hear how she was living into her story as an Indian woman who didn't get married till into her forties. So I was very intrigued to find out how did she do it? What were the implications? What was what was impacting her story? And the reason I wanted to do this is because of all the young women in my life who I have mentored and continue to meet um, young Indian women who really struggle with their singleness. And so if you are someone who struggles with singleness, this, this podcast is for you. And we thank you for joining us.
1: So welcome, Krupa. Thank you, Kenita. What an honor, what a joy, what a delight to see you again and chat with you over a cup of chai. Love it,
0: (laughs) and we even worked out the time change with you in Atlanta, Georgia, and me in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I love that technology gets to reconnect us again, huh? absolutely love it. Awesome. So, okay, let's just dive right in because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are really excited to hear about how does one handle a stigma that's so deeply rooted in a culture um, that's so beautiful, right? Indian culture is absolutely beautiful with a lot of different um, nuances to it, but there's this stigma that says um, if a woman is not married at a young age, if not, you know, an arranged marriage or finds a a groom or a bride, Sorry, a groom. Um, And then that's a problem, that there's a problem with her. You know, um, would you would you share your story and um, the connections that it has to that stigma? Like, how
1: did you navigate those waters? Wow, that is a loaded question, I have to say. (laughs) So my my story is uh, I grew up in India, uh, in the city of Mumbai, and I am the eldest of four siblings. So, I'm, I am the first one, my sister is after me, two years younger, and then I have two brothers right after, we, each of us are two years apart. And what happened in my life is at the age of 21, when I had just finished my bachelor's degree and was studying for my master's degree, my amazing dad, he was, I call him amazing because he was truly the rock of our family. Uh, He was gregarious. He was a fantastic leader. He was a teacher and, you know, he would come into the room and light up the room. So he was a very important backbone of our family. He fell ill. And within three months, our entire life changed because he had a massive tumor in his brain. Mm -hmm. And his deterioration happened very rapidly. And literally from day one to day, you know, Three months later, he had to be operated, he was paralyzed, he was bedridden, and within a year, he passed away. And so in a society where dating is, at that time, and I'm talking about early 90s, you know, dating was sort of a Mm no-no, typically Indian, you know, I'm not saying no one does, but a normal Indian conservative family, which is where I come from, sure, dating is not uh happening so yeah. usually marriages are arranged sure. most of the time marriages are arranged by the uh, the dad mm-hmm. of the of the woman uh um, because the dad you know it's a very patriarchal society the dads are the leaders mm-hmm. usually the wives or moms are kind of complementary they play a complementary role and so that was true even in my family like he my dad was part of 11 siblings. So I have uncles and aunts galore. Oh yes, I do too. (laughs) Raised in, you know, with my cousins and Mm -hmm. most of my cousins were married at 22, 23. And, you know, there was a lot of festivity, but by the time it was time to arrange my marriage, my dad passed away. And my mom by personality was a very docile, dependent kind of a person. She was a wonderful mother and she you know, loved us all, took care of us, but she was not someone who would like take take charge and become a leader of the family and like arrange things. Sure. So There was a huge gap left in my, mm. um, my, in my life because at the time when my dad was, should I, now I was starting to get proposals at that time because he was a prominent leader in our community. Okay. And so, oh, Mr. Shinde's daughter is like, you know, she's becoming a marriageable age. And, and my dad had this vision for me. He said, no, you're not going to consider marriage until you finish your master's degree. Wow. And so he, I was actually in love with someone at 19. You know, can I, can I interrupt you for one second? Sure. I'm just really admiring your, the, the part
0: of the story about your dad, because all I keep hearing is that he's actually an ally. He was a real strong ally for you, right? He and was. He was, absolutely. And I think you've carried so many of those lessons into your life. And so in essence, he already prepared you and arranged for you to be married someday. Yes, And he was just really building into you that sense of allyship that we talk a lot about in cultural circles and racial circles um, and the need for that. And so I just want to say a shout out for, that's such a special gift for you to have as a young girl. I I can't relate, but I really appreciate hearing stories like that. I
1: completely agree. Mm -hmm. I think it was his vision for my life that later on, looking back, I was so grateful for, because... You know, the rest of my uncles and aunts sent their children to a Marathi medium school because okay. it was easy. It was, you know, available, like public schools were available. And so they all studied, most of them studied in Meraki medium school. It was my dad who insisted that all four of us went to an English medium school. Mm. Now, he didn't make a lot of money. Uh, he was kind of a non-profit kind of a worker. And so his salary was very limited. But because he and my mom had that vision for us, and now I'm so grateful. I mean, imagine if I didn't have the knowledge of English, I wouldn't be competing in global markets like this and obtaining a job in a place like this. Absolutely. And so it was his vision. So I agree with you that he was an ally. Mm -hmm. He had a vision for my life that was grander and better. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. than just typically me getting older, getting married, having children and settling down. Yeah. He he could see that I was bright and that I could achieve. And so even when I I, I liked someone at the age of 19 and I went and told him and he said, no, <laughs> you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And of course it broke my heart because, you know, I, at that age, I was like you know, smitten by this guy. And you mean we don't there no dating, there was no dating. It was right. like, know you would just like it was like a crush and you know it was like a long distance that thing but uh so yes I agree with you that he was an ally but at the age of like when I was about 22 he Mm -hmm. passed away and because I was the oldest child and because family is such a important part of our life like I think Americans probably will not understand if something like this happens as an individualistic society, you would kind of go on and carry on in your life, but right. as someone coming from a very communal and a familial uh, society, I had to step in and literally take on the role of the head of the household. Wow! I had just gotten a job and so I shelved my life. I had to shelve my life. And what does that working? mean? What did that mean for you in that space, shelve your life? Well. Typically at 22, you know, you're like trying to look good and, you know, trying to prepare yourself to get married and sure. people are coming. And, you know, in Marathi, there's like ah. So not, I couldn't enjoy none of that because I had to work full time. In fact, the job I had required me to sometimes work 12 hour, 14 hour days. Wow. Come home, make sure my salary was sufficient to pay the bills. Uh, make sure my, my rest of my siblings, siblings were going to school in college. Mm-hmm. By then my two year younger sister, Arpana was already in college. And so she finished her BSc, making sure she completes because you know, education is a huge deal in India. Absolutely. So competitive. Yeah. You don't have a degree. If you don't, if you're not educated, you don't really have a future. So there, and, there starts
0: again, that point where you actually handed that vision to your your sister. Right. Your dad well, actually, poured it into it came, you. It
1: came from my parents. Like, Absolutely. It's a requirement that all of our siblings had to at least get a grad undergrad degree. Okay. Like in a bachelor's degree in India is like an undergrad. Yeah. You can get a graduate degree. Okay. Because it's called postgraduate degree. Postgrad- <laughs> Basically it's a, it's a language issue. But so, you know, here I am 22 and a half and, you know, having to take on the responsibility to to run the household and so time went by and i think my pastor and some uncles and aunt tried arranging my marriage okay by this time i was well educated ah. i was pretty independent okay and you know, the fact that my dad's shelter was not over my head, I had become like fierce and assertive. Oh, yeah, that's a no no in Indian culture. Oh, tell me
0: about it. I'm in line oh, with you, sweetie. It's like, <laughs> yes.
1: I think men, I think men in those days loved like this demure, right, quiet, coy girls. Yeah, and I was far from it. Me I mean, too. <laughs> I was like on the front line trying to fend for myself and my siblings and my mom. And so I was like, oh, she's, she's too independent. She's yeah, too yeah. aggressive. She's too assertive. And so even if I had interesting proposals, it wouldn't go anywhere because, oh, kupsikli. You know, she's too educated. Or- I, love, I love that you're throwing
0: these Marathi words in. It's reminding me of all my aunts and uncles and cousins. And yeah. uh, when they hear this, they're going to love that too. So. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, I was working as a project manager of World Vision and mm-hmm. I was handling a massive project. I had 17 people reporting to me. Wow. At the age of 26, that is too much mm-hmm. leadership responsibility. So by nature, you know, sometimes my sister would say, to tu, tu office made boss. You know, you are a boss in the office. I think, I think something, it did something to my personality that I became assertive and kind of bossy. Okay. Okay. That went against the proposals that went against the idea of getting married. So, okay. So So in essence,
0: a girl who is, um, you know, asserting herself is called bossy. And that's a common thing here in the States as well. But I feel like that's something that we grew up with as well, with our Indian culture background and, I didn't grow up in India. I grew up in Canada, but it was still with an Indian family. And I think not just my family, but other relatives and other scenarios, it was, oh, she's being bossy. She's being too assertive, almost um, intimidating, right? Would be another way to put
1: that. So intimidating is is a good word because because life took that turn for me when my dad was gone and I had to like lead. Those leadership qualities actually were detrimental for me to get married. Right. And which is crazy, right? Like, you, well, I mean, yeah, sure it's crazy, yeah. but in India, it's still. And so I think, I think so the whole combination of those things made, made it. And, you know, we were just surviving, struggling. And literally, I mean, looking back, I think my dad's passing was a huge trauma that the mm. entire family and it just, it just like instantly made us all grow up, instantly took away our youth. And I looking back, I'm telling you, Kaneda, I lost the entire decade of my twenties. Oh man. I feel like, I feel like my entire youth, like people that do fun things during that time. Sure. Didn't have the time to do it. I just didn't have the, the bandwidth to do it. I could not do it. And so as a result, you know, time went by and lo and behold, I'm 28 and 28 is too late. Yeah. Every time I went to church, it's like, when are you getting married yeah Yeah. and then as people talk they're like something there's some problem Mm, that's so sad eh yeah it was um that was one and then of course the stress you know i look at my pictures from that time yeah if you look at my pictures i look like i look dark oh man you know, I had a thyroid condition that went undiagnosed for a long time. Okay. I looked horrible.
0: Sure. Sure. So your body was responding to the stress, even yeah, was, though that was the season where you were pouring out, you were building a home for your family, trying to help
1: take care of the siblings and your yeah. mom. Yes. And so I think I didn't look good. I was considered too bossy and assertive. Sure. And so all of these things were like, no, no.
0: Well, but, and there's a, there's that other piece of the stigma, if you will. I can't think of a better word right now, but if, if we're not focusing on our looks in that season of our life, then of course there's another reason why we're not going to get married. Right. And, yeah, and no one's going to look at you.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is um, I think growing up some, some of the other cultural things that came into play in my life, Yeah, I am, I'm darker. Like okay. my, my skin yeah. is brown. I have dark long straight hair yeah my sister was the opposite she was fair okay like, like she wasn't white white but she was much much fairer. sure and she had this long curly hair mm-hmm. so even as we were growing up you know family gatherings aunt, uncles and aunts would like i would say you know like make a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of sure. thing where they would say i got the same thing yeah Ah. you know, like her sister is like prettier. She will get married. really mm. soon. And literally I grew up with the belief that I'm not a good looking girl. And so I kind of over, overcompensated by, okay, then I need to do well in school. I need sure. to do well in my degrees. I need to get a good job. And so I kind of overcompensated, which was also not too good in the marriage market. Okay, so
0: then in that case, it's not only the stress that was happening, right? It's the season. You're not taking care of yourself. And then we throw this big log of comparison into the equation. And so now you're playing the comparison game and, and then
1: starting to believe
0: some of the lies, right? Because they're yes. lies, right? You, you knew they were I, lies. but I
1: had to, for the last, I would say last 10, 12 years, I have to rewrite that script in my th- head. Yeah. Actually, I am a pretty girl. You are Actually, my skin. Like here, it's only when I came at the age of 30 to the US, people started appreciating my brown skin and saying, Oh, you have like most of my white friends, like, oh, we're pasty white. You are so beautiful. <laughs> and it's hard for me to take that compliment because I, I can yeah. believe I'm I'm an ugly girl. Yeah. And and so kind of in my head, I was like, Oh, no one's gonna like me, no one's gonna do it, Aww. no one's gonna accept me. And so all of those things were happening. And, you know, time went by and here I am, I'm almost 28. Yeah. Nothing has happened. And so one day, by this time my sister had finished her bachelor's in science as well as done her four-year theology degree. Okay. she had Two degrees and she was two years younger to me. So of course, you know, she was 26, 27, I was 28, 29. And I sat her down and I said, look, no one's going to arrange our marriage. We need to do something about this. Wow! And so we had—I was working for World Vision at that time—and someone within our um, our zone, another manager who was like my peer at that time, who was a little bit younger to me, um, was established in his job. And someone, like an older lady within our organization, told me. He said, "Well, Mister So and So is looking for a bride." <laughs> yeah Aww. they knew they knew my story they sure. knew that I was concerned about my sister's marriage I was concerned about my marriage and so after a manager's meeting I just walked walked up to this young man and oh I my. said hey Mr. So-and-so um um I heard that you are ready to be married and looking for a potential bride love it that's and awesome he like he was going all pink and purple and- <laughs> he's thinking i'm throwing myself at his oh like, no oh. and i immediately said no it's for my younger sister yeah There's the picture and uh you know if you're interested i would love to talk to you more because you know we don't have our dad and i am yeah. the only child in the family and and uh, he said oh uh sure i i i am ready to be married and i am looking for girls which is you know, <laughs> you know exactly. I am looking for looking. a potential bride. Yeah. And so I arranged a lunch meeting for both of them. And, you know, I came home and my sister and myself, we planned a nice lunch for him. And he came and he saw my sister and they had a little bit of chat. I was in the bedroom. In 15 minutes of conversation, she comes in and she says, he seems decent. <laughs> um, oh, if man. he's ready, I'm ready to marry him. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I mean, even at that age, I like, for me, I, even though I lived in India, I, I am an Indian. I think I had a, a much more American mindset. Like, I would have liked to know a little more about this boy I'm marrying. My sister, on the other hand, was a lot more traditional. And she literally made a decision within 15 minutes. Wow. So, yeah, that's so, traditional. The <laughs> gentleman goes back and we don't hear from him for two weeks. Oh, and wow. he's like, oh, maybe, maybe he didn't like me. Maybe oh he's not ready. And then two weeks later, we get a phone call. And he says, well, my mom would like to come and see her. Oh and by this time, I had finished eight years of work with World Vision. I had gotten a much better job in Delhi. And so I had moved to Delhi. My sister was still in Mumbai. And they come, the entire family comes. And they bring you know the shagun, which is like a, a little uh, ornament, an okay. engagement ornament, and you know, all the, all yeah. the conditions and, sure and within 15 days, her marriage is arranged. Wow. And that's amazing. Three months, the wedding date is decided. And so I had, I had a little bit of savings from my world vision uh, work, which I gave to her. And I said, you're alone. I'm in Delhi. You need to arrange all the details. So poor thing. She arranged like, like typically your parents arrange all this in India. Right. But brides don't do No. And if
0: I could just, you know, what's coming to my mind in that space, I don't mean to interrupt again. Um, The culture in and of itself is very paternalistic, right? So it's the father who's in charge. Well, he hands the baton to you as the firstborn, because in our culture, firstborns matter more than the rest of the kids. And I think if the story is correct, that sometimes it has to be the firstborn has to get married first before the other siblings can.
1: And so there's that pressure, right? I'm hearing that was the hardest thing because yeah. the jabs that i got saying lagna like you know the younger one is getting married first yeah And i'm like look she found a man she yeah. likes him at least let's one of us get married
0: right then, uh, so what i'm hearing though also is that you're saying you honored the birth order in the sense that you took the responsibility of the parents because your dad had passed and now you were helping your siblings right and so I just keep hearing in your story, there's so much hope and there's so much you're willing to do for other people. And you continue to show in that season, as you're navigating these waters, that it was still going to be about considering others better than yourself.
1: Thank you for saying that. that. I imagine that was hard, but I I appreciate that. I am looking back, you're right. But, you know, I didn't even have time to think about this. Fair enough. Yep. I, I just was... I need to get through this day. I need to get this task done. I need to move on. I need, but when I was arranging her marriage, I was also thinking about myself. So I put myself on a matrimonial side. I did get a few proposals. Okay. In fact, someone from the U S mm. approached me and I started like an email relationship, you know, okay, an email every day. Sure. And, um, but it was really hard to stand in her wedding Mm. As the older sister okay single okay and you know younger sister getting married it was hard.
0: So and how did God, you handle that how did you like in that moment how were you I, I
1: was just like I was like God give me the grace God okay. give me the grace God okay. and of course I had a very deep relationship with the Lord even sure though. and I was like as I do good God will do good to me as okay. I do good God will do good to me and I think it was hard. I mean, if you look at my pictures in her wedding, I, oh. I look like, I, I look, first of all, I look pretty heavy Okay. The, and the stress on my face. Sure. And you know, she looks this pretty beautiful, like she was the bride and, yep. and I, I was very happy that she did get a great guy and they are, they have been married for the last, um, I don't know, 20 years.
0: Oh, praise God! That's three, awesome.
1: Three beautiful children. Mm-hmm. Her oldest daughter is now in twelfth grade. Okay, and you know they live in Nagpur, and uh-huh. but you know she she was okay with doing the whole traditional. Arresting. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And so yeah, what I'm hearing you say though in that it's like as much as it is cultural, it's still important to um, consider the individual, right? And so your story didn't quite go the way it did, but your sisters did right? According to culture. So again, you're, you're able to, it sounds like in hindsight, it's 2020, but it sounds like you were navigating those waters as best as you knew how. And then, you know, looking back, it's like, you can celebrate it now.
1: Yes. And so when she got married, I had a much better job in Delhi. And this gentleman who actually lived in Baltimore, he said, I'd like to come and see you and so he flew, he was oh, an American. Fine. He was an African-American man from Baltimore, interested. So my mom met him. He was a, he was from the same religious background. And so we said, well, it seems like a good idea. And so my mom's like, look, if he is good and you think you can have a good partnership, you should move forward. And so I declare to everyone that, oh, I'm getting married. I'm going to go. So he says, why don't you come visit the U.S.? see how you feel, meet my family. It's still, I mean, it wasn't like, it was like a long distance email relationship. We we didn't really spend a lot of time together. Okay. I won't even call it like a dating relationship where there was a lot of like give and take. So I, I was happy because I was happy to get out of India. By this time I was almost like 29 and a half and everyone was constantly asking, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? And you know, the honor of someone mar- being married is very different from someone who's like a spinster and they're, I'm yeah, for a long time. It's like, that kind of
0: breaks my heart, you know, you know because look it down on you. Yeah. And, and to yet, to look down on you. they're living their story and it's happening the way it's supposed to happen. And yet, you know, they're journeying through that and it's every story is completely different. But yeah, to look down on someone because of their marital status is really disappointing. But it happens, it like. happens, yeah,
1: I have nephew, I have nieces who are struggling, and I talk to them every Aww. day. who are in their you know early thirties, and yeah like, you're still not married,, and, this, <laughs> and it's like you know it's you you don't really have a good social standing if you're not married, sure, at least yeah. in the community that I come from, mm-hmm. so, well, I meet this gentleman, and I'm like, okay, and you know, by this time I'm well traveled, and this high-flying nonprofit worker I've handled massive projects and and I have gained considerable amount of work experience mm-hmm. and I travel to Philippines and Canada and everywhere else and so when he invites me to the US I take it up it's a risk I don't know him that well but I'm like you know if I can get arranged marriage in 15 minutes, I at least got to know this guy through my email communication for almost right. eight, nine months. Yeah. And so I come here, and believe it or not, I find so many things about this gentleman that make me completely oh. uncomfortable. Oh man. First, he doesn't tell me that he was losing his job. oh. Secondly, I come here and find out his house, which I thought he owned a house, was in foreclosure. Oh no. then I find out that he has altogether $18,000 worth of credit card debt. Oh man. Now looking back, $18,000 credit card debt is not a big deal, but at that time, (laughs) at that time, sure. Yeah. Yeah. From India. (laughs) And like at that time making like a thousand dollars a month in income in India, I was like, Oh my God, what am I signing myself to? Sure. And so it made me extremely uncomfortable. And I said, look, I, I, I just can't move forward on this. And so I broke my engagement. So, okay. If
0: I can and just pause for a second to say, um, as you're navigating these waters of being single and getting older and you're still putting healthy boundaries in place, it sounds like. Well, you know, you're putting...
1: I, I, I think, yes, you're right. Because you a lot of my friends at that time said, just go for it go for it you've right? got it you can navigate just just go for it like do do something you know maybe you can divorce him later oh
0: gosh no because no. yeah, that's not cool in indian
1: culture either <laughs> right I, because they were like wait you're in america you just like you just left you just got this this ticket this lottery Yeah, to go to america and, but you're right i did have good boundaries and i'm grateful to god for for giving me the wisdom to practice those boundaries. Yeah. Uh, this guy was a good guy. I mean, he was a believer. Sure. He went to church. He was, he was respectful. He was a nice looking guy. He had good, you know, good personality, but I think, you know, I don't know, somehow he was just messed up money wise.
0: Right. And I think what, what I'm saying by boundaries is that you knew what you wanted to say yes to, and what you wanted to say no to. So in some ways, even though the time was going by, it was shaping your story about how, um, how do you want to be married someday, maybe, <laughs> or how don't you want to be married someday, maybe, with the maybe being really big because you really were in that space of not I a lot think, of good prospects.
1: I think, I think that I, again, owe it to my dad for yeah. being that independent, assertive okay. spirit in me. And of course, you know, work experience and travel, and I had been exposed to other women that were leaders. And, yep. you know, I'd learned a lot from all of those mentors that I had in my life to learn to say, you know, I am uh, the the sculptor of my own life. You know, in Marathi, there's a saying, Meets shachi You know, I am the sculptor, sculptor of my own life. I shape my Interesting. life. Okay. And, and so I, I broke the engagement, Kenita, but at that point I had three months, uh, like in the first two weeks after I learned all this, I just decided to like not move forward. And interestingly, and again, this is God's hand of grace on my life. I met an amazing doctor lady in Maryland. Okay. She was a Marathi speaking Hmm. doctor lady and she had two young kids. One was uh, five and one was two, and she had just lost her babysitter. Oh, and this guy that I was engaged to first took me to a refugee, like a it was like a nonprofit that did like helping imi- new immigrants like okay. a- acclimatize to the new society. Yeah, and I had gone there just for one visit, and I saw her ad on the notice board. Okay, doctor. So I don't want to take her yeah. name. no, that's bad. fine. But it was a, a Maharashtrian surname. Interesting. Like babysitter. So I pulled her phone number. I called her. Uh-huh. And of course, I spoke excellent English because I was a very educated Indian woman. And right, right. she said, well, your name sounds Marathi," And then I started speaking to her in Marathi." Love and she it. was so thrilled to find me. And she said, I just lost my babysitter. I have a very, very heavy workload. And I would love for you to come and stay with me oh. and take care of my kids until you figure out what you're going to do. Wow, and what like provision? A and a bonus and a, and a complete parachute that God gave me. No right kidding. In the middle of like everything that was going topsy-turvy. Because think about it. I was single for a long time. And then I made this big announcement to the rest of my family that I'm going to the US to get married. Uh-oh. And everybody's like cheering and happy right. they- all came to the airport, you know, in yeah, India. Yeah, I've seen that happen. <laughs> when people come to say goodbye <laughs> to you. And now my engagement is broken. So I'm back to my single status. Think and all she, those
0: comments, right? That are opposite to like,
1: that now. You know, she took such a risk and she went and she didn't get married. And what's wrong with her? Something's wrong with her. She's inadequate. Something, Ugh. you know, all that. Oh, I just, I just couldn't. But the fact that this doctor lady in Maryland invited me, not only did she invite me, she actually said, You know, I'll give you a little pocket money and I will feed you and house you until you figure out. I had three months on my visa at that time because I came on a fiance visa. Oh yeah. But I knew that within three months I had to go back because I didn't get married. Okay. And so I started living with her, taking care of her kids and you know, cooking and cleaning, all this while figuring out what am I gonna do? And I was praying. I said, God, I don't want to go back to India. I'm happy to go to Sri Lanka, I'm happy to go to Nepal, I'm happy because I was a non profit worker. I could be based anywhere as a project manager and run a project. Sure. And so sitting in this doctor lady's house, she had a beautiful five bedroom house. She gave me a room. I had a comfortable independent space, and she said, "Use my computer." And I started doing a systematic search on who in the market was looking for someone with my skill set.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I identified my five core skills. And I started looking at who was ready to hire this and pay money. And so I, go ahead. Okay, so question though, right? Like you're in this
0: space of wanting to get married um, and wanting to be able to start your life with somebody. But what you're instead focusing on then is your professional life because that didn't go so well. And so what I'm hearing you say then is you don't just sit on your laurels, you do something. And what I'm hearing you say is, I appreciate that. Going. I didn't think
1: about that. To That's me, why I'm here. Survival, 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 survival. Oh, absolutely. I have to survive. survive. Yes. Yeah. Like collapsed. It's broken. And now I have to go back to India and now I have to rebuild. And, you know, I had given up a big job. I had used my savings to buy my air ticket. And it was like, it was a mess. In fact, I was crying constantly. Mm. In fact, again, another another thing that I remember from that time, this was exactly from October, 2002 to January, 2003, this whole episode is happening. Um, I had a friend, a Christian friend from Portland, Oregon. She was studying Christian counseling. Mm. And she told me, she said, you're, you're traumatized. You're crying. I'm going to call you at this time every Wednesday. Mm. And she was like my pseudo counselor to help me cope through this trauma that I was going through.
0: That's awesome. And hey, this is the month of mental health awareness. So way to shout out for that. That's awesome. That's she so needed. Was, she
1: was studying at that time, but yeah. she was very sensitive and she and I would close and she would just call me and I would cry and I would had broken dreams and I would talk about my fear of my future and I would talk about what am I going to do? And I I think part of her encouragement was, you know, it's okay. You are, you're educated. You can get the, get the job. And relationships do break and she kind of helped me normalize that trauma uh-huh. but coming from that culture having not had a relationship mm-hmm. and having your dream shattered was massive and so you know she helped me cope with that and that's how I started doing searches saying because I'm like okay my marriage didn't work out maybe I can find a job and maybe Ooh. I can Continued because I really didn't want to go back to India. No, and, because of the stigma.
0: Yeah, because of the stigma. And I'm also kind of listening to this from the context of some single friends that I have in my life that are listening and going, oh, so instead of focusing on the relationship, you're now putting all that energy to a job. Like that could sound negative. But, but as I'm speaking to I, you and listening, I had
1: a massive breakup. Absolutely. And- and what do I do? I is try to find another boy within like the next week. No, that. no, no, no. I
0: hear you. I hear you. But I think sometimes the, the problem is that people just move their, their pressure into another area. But I think the beautiful part of your story is that you're saying, no, I had a counselor on board that was walking with me in the space of the emotions and you were still skilled and gifted and talented. And so she's encouraging you to keep moving, keep growing forward and, you know, as we speak to these young women that are listening, saying,
1: right. "I'm not and married." I'm- you, now that you point out, it does. It, there is like this resilient streak in me where I am like, "Okay, things are shattered, things are broken, but I'm going to survive." Yeah. But at that time, again, it, the the mentality was, "I'm the I was the oldest breadwinner. My my two brothers had small jobs." But, you know, they were like, oh, she's going to America. She'll send us a little bit of dollars and it will help us survive. So, and my mom was still back home. And, you know, I, I had a commitment to that, even though I was getting married. I had plans to maybe work and send some money back. Sure. I had to have a job. Yeah. And so I started looking and looking back, I remember the strategic search that I, I literally sent 20 applications I sent hundreds of applications to other countries. Determined. In the U.S., mm-hmm. I spent, sent very strategic 20 applications. Believe it or not, Kanita, I got two interviews. Oh, wow. Well. 10% success. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and one of them offered me a job ah. nine days before my visa was expiring. Hmm. And so, so Woody, my, my, this doctor, doctor lady that I was living with, she said, yeah. Why are you going back? And I said, my visa expires. I will not remain in the U.S. I will not be an um, illegal immigrant. Right. I'll go back and I pay $400 to this lawyer who's supposed to do my H-1 visa with this new job offer that I Uh have. And I go back and apparently it turns out the lawyer that I hired was bad. Oh, no. So sorry. Anything about it. But the guy who hired me, he was a CEO of a nonprofit in Baltimore City. Okay. That nonprofit is no longer in existence. But it was called Health Education Resource Organization, and Dr. Leo Ortega, who's the CEO, who was the CEO then, was a Latino man. He heard my. I, I was very honest with him. I said this sure. should happen. I was getting married didn't happen. Now I'm going back. And he said, you're very skilled. I had actually applied for a lower position. Mm-hmm. And she said, he said, looking at your skill set, I would like to offer you a program director's position. And I oh. Was, oh my God. And you know, they offered me, believe it or not, at that time, they offered me a $54,000 per annum salary. Wow. I it was a lottery. That's a little high for an Indian, (laughs) right? When you think about it, (laughs) you're not used to. For an Indian who was only without a degree in America, without an American degree, but with a lot of work experience, that was pretty pretty magnanimous. Sure. And so I was really keen to get that job. So I went. This lawyer didn't do anything. I left in end of January because I had a three month visa, and I'm sitting and waiting. And until March, middle of March, nothing has happened. And so the CEO had hired me and there was a vice president of programs who was also a lady of Indian origin, but had lived in America. So she called me and she's like, you have this job and I have to do all these reports and these grants and when are you coming? And I said, well, ma'am, I am in India. I don't know what to do. This lawyer was supposed to file and I was supposed to get my new visa. So she says, "Never mind. just I'll send you A visitor's visa, just come here and we'll convert it. (laughs) I go back with a letter to be a visitor. I come back on a B-1 visa. I get another visa. I come back and they said, we can't pay you, but we'll pay you a per diem because you're a consultant. And I did their grant reports. I set up the department. I was, of course, skilled in doing nonprofit work.
0: So are you now in your mid-30s, right? At this point in the story. At
1: this point, I'm 31.
0: You're 31, which is technically the real
1: crossover into becoming a yeah, I, I'm, uh, spinster. This time I'm not, I'm like, Okay. I'm not getting married because so, we'll do well in my profession. Yeah.
0: I think our, you know, our listeners are going to be really excited to hear how the story goes and where are you at today? So, you know, if you could just fast forward through some of that extra work, because you were back and forth for a bit. So
1: I, so anyway, in August of 2003, I did get my visa. I came here. Nice. I was working for the first three years with that nonprofit. And then I moved to Map International, which is okay. another large Nonprofit that does health work. And that's what I've been doing for the past 16 years. Uh. I started with MAP in June of 06, and it's now 2020. Uh, to, yeah, so it's been uh, 14 years that I've been working for MAP. And then, of course, the whole marriage thing went out of the window. And then I moved from Baltimore to Atlanta and I started going to this congregation. And that's where I actually met who is now my husband. So I eventually did meet the right man. Sweet. And how old were you at a the long time? time. I met him at the age of 43,
0: 43. And so I, for those of you listening right now, if you're in your thirties,
1: there's hope hang in there. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. And it is a beautiful story of like, you know, I, I, there's a lot of changes that went through me. I had to, reinvent myself. I had to heal myself. I had to groom myself. I had to take care of myself. And I had a lot of friends that walked along with me, but you know, I had given up hope completely. And then just when I had surrendered. So, So is it
0: fair to say that as you journey forward and you're doing all the personal work, that it really is about the surrender. It's about the letting go. Because, you know, I've said that often about different things in my story with friends and different people. And um, I usually get an eye roll, right? It's like, oh, really? Like, I can't surrender. So talk to me. Can you talk about that at all? What does that mean to yes, you? What does it mean I to surrender?
1: I think, I think at the age of 41, 42, I met this amazing friend of mine in Atlanta. Um, she's a wonderful Jewish woman. And One day she looked straight in my eyes and she said to me, you say you wanna get married, but what are you doing to get married? Huh, interesting question. You think God is going to like bring someone and land him in your lap? What are you doing? And I, you know, it just, it was very convicting the way she talked to me. So I said, okay, I need to do whatever I need to do. So she said, get up, lose weight, dress well, be in places where you will meet right people, And, you know, work on yourself, be the best self that you can be. And it was her encouragement that I actually started going to therapy. Mm -hmm. And in my therapy, I spent a whole year. And again, God gave me a wonderful therapist. This was a Indian woman who had a theology degree and a psychology degree. She has a PhD in psychology. She's actually back home now and practicing counseling She was amazing and she really helped me grieve the losses that I had. Mm -hmm. That was the first step. And then really helped me, one of my breakthroughs was she said, Krupa, how long are you going to grieve that you didn't get married in your 20s? Why don't you let it go and start dreaming new dreams? Honestly, that was a breakthrough. And it made me happier because I'm like, I was just stuck in my 20s. Say, oh, this didn't happen. Oh, I should have had. Oh, I should have been a mother. Oh, I should have been a wife. And you know, that that grieving had to stop. And I had to like, okay, what can I do now? I'm in my early 40s. And she said, start dreaming new dreams. So I said, okay, I'm going to save. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to travel. I am going to live the best life in the state that I am in. It made me happier. Yeah, that makes I sense. I started attracting interesting men to me <laughs> because when you're morose and when you're like like this, you don't attract good men.
0: Fair enough, but I think um, there are two things that you said. One about the grieving, and the other one was like, you know, kind of get on with your life. I think there are people who really need to do the grieving and really work through that stuff. Although your story speaks differently in that, that you were already doing it because you had already been talking to that one counselor who was in school, right? Prior to that, working through some of those things. And now was like, the, and then now was the time where you had the kick in the pants, if you will, to get moving, come on, stop, you know, write the new script, live right. into the new narrative, like right. get on with your life. And I right. think that's the part that gives other women a lot of hope to kind of grow out of their story and yet take the time to grieve, right? I think that's what you're saying, take the time to grieve, but there comes a point where you need to just, okay, it's time to move now. Move and do something different.
1: Yeah, and some of the breakthroughs in the therapy session for me were, she said, why are you waiting for men to give you compliments? Like, oh, no one compliments me. No one buys me flowers, no one's like, and she's like, well, learn to take care of yourself. Go buy flowers for yourself. You want a nice meal, go, go into a nice restaurant, eat. You make good money. And I think what that did to me is made me a happier person. Okay. And I had this happy, vibrant, radiant face. And one of the first things that Tim, my current, my husband says to me was, you know, that your, your joyfulness was an attractive feature because when women are in their forties and still not married and those, those, you know, dreams deferred make you like really sad and Uh morose." But I think you need to, like, I I learned to overcome that by taking care of myself. You know, I lost 30 pounds. I started dressing well. I started going to social events where I would meet interesting people. And it just made me an overall attractive woman, which caused men to be attracted to me.
0: Fair enough. And yet I would say some people in this culture here in the West, right? I mean, you live in Atlanta now, but just the... um, here, that mindset is, oh, you're focusing on your image. But I want them to hear that in the Indian culture, it is a little important for us to do that because of the messages we were given as kids, right? Whether it was through the culture or through specific people, we were given messages that really broke it down. And so when I hear you saying that, I'm like, oh, you go, girl, you're finally getting you know your story, and you're getting a handle on it. But I do think there are people that are going to hear that and go, why are we focusing on image? like? so-and-so is doing everything she possibly can and still not finding anybody. But I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing in your story, because I it's similar in mine in that we were raised in a culture that gave us messages that weren't good for our hearts or our souls. And we needed to redress ourselves, if you will.
1: Right. And some of it is also learning to care for yourself. Yeah, that's huge. I give so much to others. Absolutely. And I am so depleted now that I, I look bad. I, I don't feel good. Yeah. But if I start investing in myself and doing self-care, I have this beautiful, vibrant personality that comes out, which makes me very attractive.
0: And that you are filling up to overflowing, right? right. Because that's also how your dad raised you from the story, the way we're, we're hearing your story. I'm hearing that your dad was about filling you up. filling you up, whether it was education, whether it was affirmation, whether it was support, whatever he was filling you up with so that you could be overflowing. And then you were able to do that for your sister. And now you're in a place where you're able to, now you were ready. You were more ready
1: at 43 to meet and marry your husband. Right. And I, yeah, so I met him and we dated and I mean, it's a whole story and I could dramatize it for your audience, but I know we don't have time, but yeah, he, Within two months of dating, he, he knew he wanted to marry me. And I said, well, let's take a little time. Let's figure this out. Oh, I hear time, you. I have, a, I have seen other people and I have lived in America for a long time. And I'm kind of more American in my thinking. Sure. And so eventually he proposes mm-hmm. and I got married at the age of 44. Wow. Woo-hoo. So you look Happy at my wedding pictures. I was like, part of my concern was. I'm going to look like a middle-aged bride. Oh, okay. no way. I'm telling you, the way I looked in my twenties because of all the stress. Yeah. The I look in my forty at my for in my wedding picture. huh I feel like God gave me back the youth. Mm. God gave me the years that the locusts have eaten. Okay. The Bible says. Yes, I love that verse. I um I feel like I regained so much of all that I had lost. Yeah. And I did like because by by this time I kinda of given up. That I will never be blessed by the blessing of marriage, but I was.
0: Yeah, and I think you know what we've heard in your story is that your focus was not what appeared to look like failure. Your focus, or the stigma, your focus was on um, you know pouring out, doing for others, growing in your faith and taking care of yourself, being intentional, right? I think those are some of the lessons that you're passing on to the younger women that are listening um, or even any women that are listening that are interested in being married and aren't and what their struggle is. Um, And I think it's fair to say, we should have probably said this from the get-go that marriage is not the arrival point, but I think when we have this desire in our hearts to be married um, it changes the narrative a little bit, right? And so it is yeah, important I, to a lot I of people.
1: Think, I think women, as women, I really do feel like women draw their sense of significance from their relationships. They tend to, yes. And men draw their sense of significance from the work that they do. They tend That's to, yeah. I a great job and yet I didn't feel good about myself because I had no one adoring me or sure. loving me or you know, appreciating me. And so my sense of significance was not coming from that affirmation that oh, i desire, because that's, I think that's like a, it's like a God given yearning in a woman's soul. Sure. That's what I believe. And yeah. I think it made me a happier person. Fair I enough. was happy. I mean, I'm not saying I wasn't happy as a single woman. Right. It was a different part of your story anyways. Right. And you know, Tim and I, we've been married for six years and I have to tell you, so we got married in October of 2014 Uh and I took him to India. Oh, wow. Now I had to introduce. I'm Uh (laughs) So we, we went to India for, and we had three different receptions in India. The first one was in Mumbai. Okay. We hosted, we had like hundred people, you know, people that I went to school, college with, some of my cousins. And it was beautiful. I shared uh-huh. my story, and it was like coming a full circle. Sure, and people just rejoiced, and you know, so happy. It was like the story of Naomi coming back to uh. the booth, you know, kind of. And then my sister, whose marriage I arranged, she said, "Now it's my turn." And okay. she and her husband hosted a second reception for us in Nagpur. Oh, and paid she. for it. Yeah, nice. hundred people there. That's awesome. And then I took my husband to my dad's ancestral village. Oh, village. Wow. yeah. yeah it's yeah. completely agrarian village, like remote. And so the villages, my family is large, and my, my oldest sister-in-law arranged this big barat for us. Uh-huh. We had a ox-drawn cart and we had flowers. Wow. And, Beautiful. and me and my husband, my husband was you know given a feta like a headgear. Head mm-hmm. I had a sari and garlands and and we were paraded through the village. Oh, my word. And my husband is like white, <laughs> white boy, like with that, with that dark Indian turban. Right. And he's just doing this. and Oh, too funny. an experience for him. He's, he's like, I have never been welcomed this warmly ever. Well, welcome to the hot climate culture right there. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was amazing. And one thing I noticed that people started looking at me differently. There oh. was a lot of respect. Oh, sure. Oh, she's married. She has arrived. And I'm like, okay, not only did I get married, I married a white boy because, you know, because India was ruled by the Brits Mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. Somehow in the Indian psyche, if you're white, not only you're educated and rich and intelligent and handsome. So it's like, oh, she married, she married really well. You know, I've had that. I've had that said to me. Um, and I just kind of scratched my head.
0: I'm like, okay, so he is six, five, my husband, he is white, but, um,
1: we're pretty equal, you know, I think, I know. yeah, I know that. But, and, and Tim, my husband was like, you think they're going to be okay with you marrying a white man? Yeah. Said, Honey. Don't worry about it. In fact, you're going to be a celebrity. You know,
0: that's going to have to be for another podcast, I think, of um, interracial marriages and how do you roll. (laughs) Because I think we have a lot of stories to share. I know
1: our time is up. That's okay. I
0: just, I was wanting to maybe wrap up with just a couple thoughts because I think throughout the talk, you've shared a lot of different ways for um, how women can focus while they're waiting, you know, in that time. But it's also from a cultural standpoint and how they can... um, you know, kind of navigate those waters, so to speak, um, of the stigma that's put on them, right? And so I feel like you've given a lot of great things like dealing with your stress, getting a counselor, focusing on your, um, you know, maybe career during that time to really build up yourself, fill yourself up, fill your tank up, um, don't play the comparison game, you know, be mindful of your gifts, your talents, your skills. And so I think you're, you've given them a lot of great food for thought. Um, So I'm thinking I I have two small questions, hopefully they're small, but one, if there's a girl listening right now, what would you tell her? She's, she's in her late 20s. She's not sure what's going on in her story. She desperately wants to be married and share her life with somebody. Um, wh- what should she do? What, what would you tell her right now, today in 2020?
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to say that she is inherently worthy as of now, even in her status, mm-hmm. because she has all that she needs to be happy. Mm-hmm. I think we, we need to stop. Living by other people's definition, mm-hmm. and and the whole you know if you're married you're perfect is other people's definition. Right. Some of us are not called to be married. Absolutely. We're happier as single women. Some yeah. of us, um, you know, there's a lot of joy in being single because yeah. the independence you have, the freedoms you have, the the autonomy you have on your life and what you do, and you sure. know, as a single woman, I could come in and travel whenever I wanted to and do all kinds of things. So yes, there is a yearning to be married, but learn to be okay with the state that you're in. And also, like you said, find other ways to be happy. Invest in hobbies, invest in an extracurricular activity, socialize, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Why do you need a man to give you a compliment? Give the compliment to yourself. Look in the mirror and say, you are beautiful. You're Mm -hmm. stunning. You're awesome. And when you start affirming yourself, you're, you're really going to start believe it. And yeah. as a result, you're going to be attractive to the men that sure. you're trying to attract. And, uh, you know, why do you need a man to give you flowers? Buy flowers for yourself. Yeah. Why do you think do some
0: you- of that was, was your love for your dad? Like your dad really loved on you and doted on you and you missed that and you expected that? Do you think that was it part is, of your story?
1: Because, you know, yes, we all need affirmation, but we, God has given us, I had great friends who lifted me up. And if I had had a down day and I was depressed, I would just call a couple of friends, make some Indian food. And, you know, we would have a great party. And, and I think if, if, if women that are single can learn to live happily as a single person, they will be happy because it's not marriage. That is a switch where you exactly. And you become exactly. Mm -hmm. If you're unhappy as a single person, you you will be be unhappy in your marriage.
0: If you're happy
1: as a single person, you're going to be happier. Maybe right? no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our husbands aren't here. That's okay. And, and be wise who you socialize because sometimes our neediness can draw other people that are good word really suck us out. Mm-hmm. And I made mistakes like that, and you know I had to learn to put those boundaries and say, "Well, this guy is really out sure. to or take advantage of my money or whatever." Yes. So um, be wise, be discerning. And That's awesome. It's okay to be single. Yeah. So any regrets? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but and I, I, I do like, because I didn't get married at the right age. Okay. I missed out on being a mom. Mm. It was too late. And it was like, I felt too risky to try to have a baby of my own. Sure. And that is part of my regret that I don't have a child, my own child, but sure. I feel so good that Uh, by marriage, I inherited two boys. Yeah. Okay. Husband had two boys from his previous marriage Yeah. and I may not have birthed them, but they are my boys. Mm -hmm. I, they're my sons, they're grown and we have a great relationship and you know, I will soon have some grandchildren. There you go. And it may not be my own blood, my own womb, but I feel like in some ways I got all that I desired. Sure. And grateful for that. Yeah.
0: That's great. And, you know, I I think to add to that as well, your work with the um, HIV communities with experience of scholarship fund. Sorry about that. Our, um, the recording paused for a second there. Yeah, you run a scholarship fund and you've been able to invest in the lives of young children. And so in essence, you have been mothering many children over the years as well. And I say that carefully, but it is out of respect for the hard work that you have done. Can you, um, in closing, just tell us a little bit about that scholarship fund and how you're investing in the lives yeah, of so young children?
1: I guess, you know, I kind of give went to my maternal instinct that way. I invest in young people that are underprivileged, but deserving,
0: mm-hmm. most
1: of them from India, because someone invested in me and I was able to get a good education and I want to give back. And so my husband and I run a small scholarship fund called the Lakshman Shinde Scholarship Fund. And we pick amazing students that are for some reason, for lack of resources, cannot pursue higher education. So we were able to support someone who was going to BSc nursing. We were able to support someone who went into a physical therapy education. We just supported someone finishing 12th grade and wanting to be a social worker in India. And, you know, I love to like, take time and get to know these kids and I like to monitor how their careers have grown. Apart from that, I invest a lot in my nephews and nieces who are lots of them and I'm the cool aunt oh, I love it. Now, from the U S spend a lot of time counseling and giving them encouragement. And nice. you know, they look at, it's like, if she made it, we can too. And yeah. I think that's, that's the role that I do. So maybe in some ways, God was wise not to give me my own child, Sure. So I, I could be the mother to all children. Yeah. And uh, so that's how, uh, that's how, and I also serve on a board of an uh, organization working in India called India Partners. Okay. And so I'm trying to give back. I'd like to be more involved with work in India. And, you know, as I grow older and maybe someday have a nonprofit that does this kind of work, especially with women and girls. Okay. And children. Yeah. In heart.
0: That's awesome. I'm, uh, I've already shared with you that we're relocating to India and going to move to Nagpur, so would love to connect with you again about um, any people that you would like us to connect with or have conversations with and, um, you know, maybe partner to encourage other women and children yeah. there as well. But once again, you have left us with a fabulous note of hope and encouraging young women um, to hear your story. And because you've made it, there's hope that other girls will. And even if they don't, you've given them some great nuggets to chew on in the process. Um, So I just wanna say very special thank you for being on the show today. And I really appreciate um,
1: your time and your sharing and your story, especially. Um, And all the- I appreciate the opportunity to share. And I really hope that my story brings inspiration and hope to other young women absolutely now those um the information for the
0: scholarship you'll send me all the links and make sure that they're on the plot i'll put them on the blog for anybody that wants to support
1: i I don't have a website for it but i will send you my email as well as my facebook connection that'd be great people want to reach out and know more about it i'm happy to share okay and maybe some some more information about the scholarship fund so people can you know kind of tap
0: into that and and somehow support whoever's listening and is inspired with this work um could be a way that they start to give and and then grow forward in their story as well yeah, yeah. american right.
1: people go a long way in the in india i agree absolutely thank you so much kenita Have hey thank you
0: day. you too thank you um, so for thank you for listening today we were so inspired and so encouraged by our time with krupa um, i hope you enjoyed it and here's to growing forward together